Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. Well, we just had a candy conniption brought to you by... The salespeople are running right now. They're like, we got to put together a proposal. I love that. A candy conniption. Uh, Listener Derek, one of our P1s, he reacted to Candy flipping out about his uh, issues with TV and sports. Derek says if it wasn't for the Lakers on Spectrum, I'd be 100% cord cutting. I'm going to dump it all soon regardless and just watch at Casino with my vaccinated arse. So. There you go. Let the sports book pay for it. Yes. Yes. It's the least they can do. I mean, I'm winning every day, but it's the least they can do. Plus EV, baby. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Uh, we started out the show today talking rock, paper, scissors, but from this standpoint, I still don't know what it is, and I don't know why. The Eagles coach would ask draft prospects about it and then judge their draftability off of that. Uh, this is the final stretch, and now we start to overthink things. And by we, I mean NFL people. We have no say in who's going where. This one's pretty distressing, and I wonder how it's going to affect Justin Fields. I mean, this is no laughing matter, but a rap sheet earlier in the day said that uh, Justin Fields confirmed to NFL teams during the pre-draft process that he's managing epilepsy, neurological disorder that can cause seizures. Uh, It has an effect football, and doctors believe that he'll outgrow it, as his other family members have. But I wonder what this does, because you know what happens here, Candy. Everyone starts overthinking things, and in a race that is so tight for those top quarterback spots, after Trevor Lawrence, I wonder what this does now to Justin Fields and his draft stock. You know, it, the one thing that could make what we do as sports talk radio hosts worse would be to try to play both draft expert and doctor at doc, the same time. Doc Cofield? Yeah. Doc. Un, unlike Doc Travis? <laughs> doc, well, doc, uh, well, doc, doc. Doc, doc Clay? You know Doc Clay has, has a degree from somewhere. You just could, yes, 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 of course, yes. You know, I mean, he's got a degree. Look, yes. I mean, in, in the United States, 3.4 million people have epilepsy. In the world, 65 million people have epilepsy. They're not all high-level professional athletes, but we can fairly assume that Justin Fields was managing this throughout his time at Ohio State when he became a top-three quarterback prospect. So I'm not saying I should have any... I don't think that uh, that we should have any additional concerns about him. All right, we'll find out more about it. That's Adam Candy. It's Cofield. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. We're doing the show live today. Ti Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We got a VGK game tonight. Golden Knights can lock it up in terms of getting in the playoffs. We're going to talk to Adam Hill. A little hockey, some Raiders, some MMA. In just a couple minutes, he'll be checking in. I know we're not objective on this, but uh, I'll just let us express our angst. As Jets and Giants fans, you're the Giant fan, I'm I'm the Jets fan. Um, In recent times, and it goes further back for the Jets, in recent times, do you feel like the Jets and Giants are in the bottom five in terms of understanding what the hell they're doing in the NFL draft? I'm going to have to let you speak for the Five of the worst organizations. I'm saying recently. Giants had a good history, but recently... Are they in the bottom five, or am I being too harsh on NYG? On the Giants? Dave, Dave Gettleman is trying to build a team that John Gruden would love. 
Like, they're, they're both trying to build the same so. damn team from 1997. Okay, there you go. So they're on the bottom five. All right. And, and then J- the Jets are because they've had so many different management teams. Uh, you don't know what direction they're going in because they keep changing things. But you, you jumped me on that one because it's hard to argue – and the Raiders have been closer to respectability. I mean, hell, they beat the Chiefs last year. They beat some good teams last year. They beat the Saints. But the last four years, I don't know that I can make a case that the Raiders are outside of the worst five teams when it comes to drafting. It's been bad. This team is working from poor philosophy in the first place. So you can't even talk about how is their talent evaluation, that they are impulsive, they are enamored with the wrong traits for 2021 in the NFL. They seem to be locked onto the idea that you can still build a team that is based on a power running game and whatever Gruden can work of a West Coast offense behind it. And then on the other side of the ball, building a big run-stopping team and winning football games. That's not the NFL today. It isn't, and that's the way they've drafted when you look at going back all the way to the Khalil Mack trade and using those picks the way that they have. You, uh, you sent me over Big Adam's story on Gruden and grading the draft. I got to tell you, just scanning through it, because I don't read this guy's stuff, uh, scanning through it real quickly, I actually think he was really generous with some of the grades right off the bat. I'm seeing a lot of C's that may be D's and F's. What do you when think I, about what do you think about his grades and who did he you know go after really hard? So I actually can speak a little bit to Adam's process with this because he was writing this thing when we did the show on Friday and we talked a little bit about it. We talked about how he was going through it and he said even he was surprised at some of the grades that he was giving, but that it was clear that he wasn't going to be giving many A's. I believe he gave two A's. And we're talking about him grading every draft pick all the way down to the wow. seventh round. This isn't about the guys that you take at the top. But who I was mean, he did, did, he, did he tell you ahead of time he was going to carry the water for the Raiders? What is going on? I'm looking at these grades. What's going on here? Let's talk about the guys that he did hammer. Let's talk about the most obvious one, and it's a guy that they continue to back. It's a guy they did not address in, in free agency. It's a guy they have not shown any inclination yet to address in the draft from everything we've read. Jonathan Abram got a D from Adam Hill. And this team clearly has major issues at safety. Major, major issues at safety. And perhaps no player is more emblematic of John Gruden and Mike Mayock's failures as drafters than Jonathan Abram, a guy who had a reputation as a box safety who comes down and works against the run, who cannot cover the pass. And it's exactly who they chose to take with a first-round pick in a year where they had three first-round picks, they chose a guy that everyone consensus said was a reach. And you know what? If you draft that guy and you have the ability to develop him, that's one thing. But he was, he's been used exactly how we thought he was going to be used, and he has not developed at all, and he is a complete and total bust, and Adam giving him a D is generous. Damn, a lot of Bs. Some B-pluses year by year. Gruden's draft according to, or drafts according to Adam Hill, 18 was a C, 19 was a B, 2020 was a C. We'll get the uh, word from the horse's mouth in Adam Hill in just a couple minutes. Now, we appreciate his time today. we got to get into uh, the Raiders and getting ready for the draft and, of course, uh, what the Raiders sent out on 
Twitter last night, which uh, a lot of people had trouble with the uh, George Floyd related tweet. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Giveaway time, 364-1100-364-1100. Callers 11 and 12. When you call in, you must say haircut. If you don't say haircut to Ari in the first couple of words, he will hang up on you. You need to know what you're calling in for. So don't ask, what did I just win? Haircut. Plain and simple. Well, there's a lot more than that, though. Uh, Floyd's 99 Cuts in Color is giving out some free... VIP treatments that includes uh, our winners, callers 11 and 12, 364-1100, getting a haircut, hot lather neck shave, and a shoulder massage, plus a uh, free massage shampoo. It's Floyd's 99 Cuts and Colors, two locations, one in Henderson at Stephanie and Sunset, the other at South Rainbow and 215, thanks to Floyd's 99 Cuts and Colors. For this giveaway, callers 11 and 12, 364-1100, 364-11. Zero, zero. Adam Hill is up. He loves a good haircut. Don't touch the eyebrows, though. What's going on, Adam? Haircut. Can I wait? No. Oh. But you get. But you oh. got the theme because I guarantee someone will call up Ari and still say, "What did I win?" It'll <laughs> right. st- it'll it'll still happen. Uh, bro, your report card. I know you spent a lot of time on this. How easy were your teachers on you? These grades. What is going on here? Too generous? I thought so. Yeah, I, I actually thought so as I went through it also. But here's, I think, why it was too generous. And listen, I've heard from the other side, too, that I was too harsh, which I don't agree with. But um, I think what it was is that as I went through it, I was thinking, well, there is still time. right? I mean, like a guy a year ago, sure, you could give them a poor grade, but they're one year into a season that was COVID-shortened and no off-season and everything else. Uh, didn't think it was it was entirely fair to just crush guys uh, in terms of where they were picked last year. And kind of two years ago, the same thing. I mean, you know, a guy like like Cleveland Furl, we're still just, you know we're still kind of waiting to see how he you know how he can progress, how he can get better. Um, yeah, I think it's supposed to be grades just through now, but I don't think it's entirely fair with guys that have been picked in the last two seasons. Uh, to, to completely just crush them in terms of uh, where they are because they can still get better, they can still improve, and there's still a little bit of time for those guys. Two things, Adam, when it comes to figuring that part of it out. So, one, it feels to me like anytime we do draft grades, at whatever point you choose to do them, you are comparing to where everybody else and the other 31 teams are at that point, right? Like, you're not just yeah. saying, okay, is Jonathan Abram, is Cleveland Furl? A, a win or are they a bust, right? Because we know you can have the kind of nuance that you were just talking about in there, but we have to level the playing field at some point, and you're leveling the playing field to say, okay, we're evaluating them against each other. The second part is we're not necessarily just evaluating the player, right? I mean, we're evaluating the we're evaluating John Gruden and Mike Mayock, whoever it is that ultimately pulls the trigger on these draft picks. So, you know, it feels to me like you, you really do have some room to – 
if you want to be harsher, you can be harsher because it's not just about is this player done. Yeah, trust me. Listen, as I went through it, I I was thinking in my mind like God, I I don't feel like I'm being harsh enough here. Uh, but it just it just kept coming back to that you know how silly would it look if if I'm like oh f f f f and then a bunch of these guys get a lot better this year and they've improved and I have to look back and think how how silly that was. Um, I think there is still room for those guys. And, and like I said, I think it would have been easy to just go through and just like D, 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 F, F. But I don't know that that's necessarily fair. I thought like the only two really, really good picks you could look at and say, hey, this was a great job uh, would have been, you know, Hunter Renfro and, and Max Crosby. And uh, I think that, you know, th- those are justified to say that's a really good job by finding late guy, late, late round guys uh, that are really talented uh, and have really big contributors. And then, after that, uh, it's a whole lot of a mess, really. Uh, but uh, I also think it'd be easy to just, you know, give give completely failing grades for every pick, and I didn't want to do that either. F, C, A, or some other grade that I didn't mention, the tweet last night from Mark Davis, maybe, but the Raiders. The Raiders' Twitter account <laughs> sends out, I can breathe for 2021. Now that you've had some time to think about it, your thoughts? It's not an F. Um because, because listen, they're going. You understand what they're going for, right? Like right when I saw it, and I was actually with some friends of mine uh, yesterday when the tweet came out, and we just immediately went into just like all kinds of scenarios and conversations of what possibly happened here. And the general consensus is we understood. We didn't. We didn't need the explanation from Mark Davis. I mean, it was good that we got it, but. Uh-huh. You don't, you don't need the explanation. You know what they're going for. Like, they were going for doing the right thing. Um, for Mark Davis to not understand the context of, you know, what I can breathe meant uh, for the counter-protesters to Eric Garner and, and how the police union used that phrasing. Um, I, you know, I don't think Mark Davis pays enough attention to those kind of issues to understand what was going to happen when he put that out. Uh, did somebody around him try to bring that up? Did somebody try to say, hey, listen, if you do this, this could be the, the backlash from it? I don't know. I don't know if there's if there's people that are willing to step up and, and try to fight him on that if he wants to put that out. Uh, so that, that's an issue. But it, it was really, really bad. And, and I think people need to understand and corporations need to understand and teams and everyone that, like, yes, you can try to, you can try to be doing the right thing but I think the more you try for something, the, the more of a risk you're leaving yourself. And that was just, that was somebody trying to swing, not to hit a home run, but to like hit one out of the stadium and around the block. And, and when you swing that hard, you could miss that hard. And it, it, it was a huge miss. Um, but I, I don't want to crush them too hard because, listen, they are trying. They were trying to do the right thing. They were trying to be on the right side of history. It was just a huge miss. Now, what you should have done, and, and what Mark Davis said, the context was, hey, George Floyd's brother said we can all finally breathe now, and he was trying to kind of play off that. Well, how about you put, uh, you know, that same black box up with the quote from his brother? Very simple, very easy, wouldn't change what you're doing a whole lot. That would have been a little bit better. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just that, you know, that trying so hard sometimes really leaves you in a tough spot. And, and I thought it was really unfortunate that that happened because you know what they were trying to do there. Adam, you're kind of going back to 
something that I think both of us as trained journalists have been told for a long time. If there's something you want to say, find someone to say it for you. And, yeah. right? and in that case, you don't even have to try. That's exactly what Mark Davis wanted to do in the first place. I don't have any problem with Mark Davis wanting to hit a home run, a grand slam, or hit one onto Lansdowne. Like, it doesn't matter to me. He can go any way he wants about it. My issue comes in when it's pointed out to him by Deshaun Reed or anybody else who is coming to him and saying, well, do you understand how I feel about this? Do you understand how I'm taking this? For Mark Davis to then dig his heels in and say, no, no, I know what I meant. Because at the point where you want to swing for the fences and you're told, hey, man, you actually struck out, you can't sit there and say, oh, no, 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 I'm willing to wait and see if that ball ends up out of the stadium. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a completely fair point. But I also, I, I think I can picture the situation that Mark Davis is in there being like, okay, now if I'm completely backtracking on this, now how does that look? Like, I think in his mind, I don't know. I can't get into Mark Davis's mind. I don't know. Uh, but I think there probably was also some, like, there's probably also frustration there of, man, I'm trying to do the right thing. I, you know, I've taken criticism in the past, and now the last couple of years I've I've really tried to be on the right side of this, and, and now I can't even do that right. Like, that kind of sucks. I, I think you can understand the position he's in. You don't want to admit that you were wrong about something. Uh, but you're right. I mean, once you hear it, it's different. But then also, you know, I, I don't know. I just I, I think it's a really tough spot to be in when you do something like that and, and it, it's it's received so negatively and God goes so far the other way. And then, you know, you have today the, the family come out and kind of give it a statement of support for the Raiders and what they're trying to do, which I thought was was very cool of them. Um, and and it, it gives, you know, the Raiders a little bit of cover to say, hey, listen, look, uh, the family was okay with it. Doesn't, doesn't mean it was any better. Uh, doesn't mean it was right. But uh, I think that that was, you know, a good a good statement for the Raiders to be able to be like, hey, listen, you know, this is the family they're cool with what we did, so let's just move on from this, which uh, was probably a good moment for the Raiders today. I mean, I guess so. I, I guess we, we would also be saying if the family is okay with it, are we then saying that you know the family speaks for all people who might have been offended by it in their own way? I, I no. still have a problem with that. I think when it comes back to you saying about Mark Davis trying to do the right thing, we've seen that. We've seen Mark Davis and the Davis family try to do the right thing in a lot of places. I guess the, the, the flip side for me is, though, it's not like Mark Davis is going to get canceled. Right? Like we're, no. we're not talking about cancel culture for a guy who is a billionaire who was fortunate enough to be in a family that afforded him that opportunity. Like, If anyone could afford to say, hey, my bad, you know what? Um, I'm going to leave the tweet up, but I'm going to add a little context to it or, you know, or I am going to take it down. I-, I feel like Mark Davis has enough you know, personal security to be able – to do that, so I guess that that's where my issue comes in. Like, like if you're gonna fall on the sword, fall all the way. Don't fall halfway down, then pull it back out, which is kind of what it feels like. What he did. No, I, I, I'm agree. I'm in agreement with you, except that one thing I think that we have to be careful of, and I'm, you know, I think when we talk about you know comments, we talk about the cancel culture kind of things, and we talk about people getting in trouble for things that they've said, and and all the time we talk about, or at least I scream about like everything is context it's all context if if you know if somebody is you know rapping a a lyric and they use a word that they shouldn't be using it's a completely different context from screaming a you know a, an epithet at somebody in anger like those are two totally different things 
in, in context being everything. And so what I'm saying here is I think we need to be careful about really, really crushing people that are so clearly trying to do the right thing. And the education process is very important. Like you said, hey, listen, uh, Mark, this is why it was a problem. This is why what you tried to do was not right. And this is why, you know, we could learn a lesson from this and go forward and say, hey, good job, good good effort, but here's where you missed your mark and learn. And, and what he said in his quote was, you know, this is, an, this is a something I didn't realize. This is a good educational moment for me. I'll research this. I'll look into it. And you can move from there. And I think that is that is the lesson that has to be taken from it. And I think to just go and crush uh, people that are actually trying and trying to learn and trying to understand uh, is where is where it gets into a problem. And if we're demanding he takes it down, and I think listen, I think they probably should should have. Uh, even though I've I've never deleted a tweet, I've never I've never uh, uh, you know I don't block people that kind of thing. I I just. I, I just kind of let things go out there. If it's a mistake, it's a mistake, and you just you move forward from it. Um, but I just think crushing him and making him delete it and saying, hey, you have to take this down, uh, this is just, just completely unacceptable. I think you're, you're discouraging people that are trying to learn and are trying to get better. You're discouraging them from doing that because they're like, hey, even if I try, I can't get it right. So what's the point? So, Adam, I'm, so I'm just more about conversation. Adam, stick with us for a couple more minutes. Uh, we're going to take a break. i got to ask you about uh, Robin Leonard and, uh, and Bill Daly going at it. And also a real quick question about Dana White and the mask. That's coming up on the way back. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Candy's here. So is Adam Hill. Hill's on the phone. Of course, Adam from the RJ covers the Raiders, covers the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we were just talking about the tweet the Raiders sent out last night, I can breathe for 2021. A lot of people flipped out about it. Uh, Mark Davis gave his explanation. Listen, these stories all have a lot of nuance. So let's get to what's going on with the Golden Knights and the league, or more specifically, Robin Leonard and Bill Daly. Adam Hill, who's lying? I, that's a good question. I don't know that anybody's necessarily lying. Um, these are discussions that were going on behind the scenes, so we don't really have all the information on exactly what was promised or what was said. Uh, but essentially what is going on is Robin Leonard is saying, hey, listen, we've done everything that the league wanted us to do in terms of being in a bubble and, and you know following all these protocols. And we were told, according to Robin Leonard, we as players were told, once you get vaccinated and once the vaccines are here, it's all going to be you know back to normal, or at least much of the restrictions are going to be lifted, and that hasn't been the case yet. And Robin Leonard, like, unprompted today, gave an 11-minute impassioned speech about what this is doing in terms of mental health to not only players, uh, but people around the world. And, you know, listen, Robin Leonard has often spoke about his battles uh, with, you know, depression and mental health and everything else. So he's saying, I'm speaking for myself and a lot of other people that, you know, if you are not easing some of these restrictions, even after we're vaccinated, this is a major, major problem. And he said that they were promised uh, that a lot of these would be, you know, would be lifted when the vaccines came. Now, Bill Daly from the league has said nobody promised anything. And he said, while while we are very sympathetic to Robin and we understand his concerns and his feelings, Nobody promised anything to anyone about the vaccines. I would venture to 
just guess that there was a lot of conversations about, hey, listen, we have to do this until the vaccines are here, and then once they're once they're here, it'll be a different story. And like th- that was kind of the conversation. I, I I highly doubt there was anything. We promise you that this is going to happen. I don't know if those words were used, but I, I would imagine that the players were led to believe that once they were vaccinated, things would change uh, without a without an explicit promise. So. Uh, I, I would imagine maybe both have a, a leg to stand on, but you definitely understand where Robin Leonard is coming from. Adam Hill's with us. Adam, we're up against it, uh, but I did want to get this one in, and this event's uh, a little ways off. Uh, headline, no mask needed at UFC 261. Dana White says media was being crazy about <laughs> COVID-19. He says for the event in Jacksonville that – Masks are optional. You can wear it if you're a fan. You cannot wear it. Um, he said he put a lot of safety uh, protocols in because so you guys in the media were going crazy. I don't know. Are you going to this event? Will you wear a mask? And are you afraid that you will be bullied and mocked on if you do wear a mask? Um, I'm not because it's too close to the draft. I mean, it's it's no. Saturday. Uh, so, you know, I, I, you know, there's too many things going on with draft that I will not be going there. Plus, Steve, you know my feelings on Jacksonville. It is a dump. It's a disaster. It sucks. Uh, And I spent, you know, a little over a week there uh, last year when the UFC was doing these first events uh, where they were not following protocols at all. They were just kind of saying they had all these protocols in place, but they didn't follow them because the Florida Commission didn't make them. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, they started up in Las Vegas, and they were following protocols very closely because the commission here was making them. Uh, so I would venture to say it wasn't really the media that, that he's fighting against. It's the fact that there was regulation, and the regulators in Nevada did make them follow the protocols if they were going to have these events. And the UFC has been greatly impacted by by COVID. Not only fighter, you know, one fighter, uh, Kazmat Shmaev, is, uh, they was coughing up blood and thought he was going to die and had to announce his retirement. Now he's going to come back eventually, he has said. But uh, that was bad. They've lost multiple title fights. Alexander Volkanovsky, the, the featherweight champion, was in the hospital with COVID. Khabib Nurmagomedov has retired largely because his dad died of COVID. Um, it's been it's been a really bad year uh, in terms of the impact that COVID has had on the UFC, despite the fact it was a good year for them as a business because they pushed through. Uh, this does not surprise me at all. They are going to hand out masks at the event. Oh, they are. Yeah, but but they also are saying that you, you don't, don't have to wear them. Yeah, you don't have to wear them. Well, did, so, he, did he actually break some news with this statement? He said... Uh, even in Vegas, it's going to be open June 1st, but 100% open in July. There's still going to be things that are set in place. Uh, he says, as far as fans, you can wear a mask or you cannot wear a mask. It's up to you. It's your decision. That's a July 10th event. Has, has he been told that and we haven't been told that? The mask mandate's still in place, right? Uh, it is for now. I mean, I guess he's maybe he's saying he doesn't think it will be by then. All right. um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be weird because it's, you know, if you're going to be within that much, that little proximity of people, in an indoor event, there's no spacing when the arena is sold out. So I'd, I'd imagine the mask mandate would still be in place, but uh, maybe he does know something. I I don't know, and I think he's 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 had a lot of mixed signaling on masks and on protocols and everything. I mean, not even that mixed. He doesn't wear one, uh, even when it's required, and even when everybody else is wearing one, he'll be the only one in the arena not wearing one, which I guess is his statement. Um, but it's a uh, it's been a it's been a, a very mixed year, uh, I think, for the UFC in terms of uh, business success, but also 
uh, health outcomes on the other side. So, uh, I, I listen. This doesn't surprise me. Uh, I, I know that they wanted to be the first ones to have an indoor event, and they're going to do that. And uh, we'll see how uh, any numbers are potentially impacted uh, coming out of that event in Jacksonville on Saturday. My prediction is that the July event, you will wear a mask and you will take the brunt of the mocking. Uh, well, I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know. I'll be spread out because the media section is fairly spread out, and I'm vaccinated. I think everybody else in the media is vaccinated. That's the only people I'll be near. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah, I, pr- I probably will because I do it for other people. I don't do it for myself. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but uh, it's very possible <laughs> I am the only one. All right, Adam, we appreciate it. Thanks for checking in. Sounds good to see you guys. There he is. Adam Hill, check out his work, LVRJ.com, Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, we're about 40 minutes away from getting reaction from uh, Caleb Herring, who played football in town at UNLV, and we'll get uh, his take on the Raiders' tweet Uh, regarding George Floyd and all the blowback. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. This traffic report is brought to you by your Southern Nevada Toyota dealers. It's time to Trust Us. Presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call him today at 577-2600. Yes, trust us. On a Wednesday, Dustin DeHart is in for Nova Home Loans. 577-2600 is the number. Lots of real estate news, uh, local and from around the uh, U.S. to get into. Dustin, how are you doing today? Doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Good times, good times. As things are starting to open up, uh, I see that people are ready to spend money. Uh, now they're spending money, and then they're spending like rich person's money. And uh, <laughs> here's a story on uh, the uh, Barstool Sports dude, Portnoy. Yeah who I think yeah. likes to do a lot of things with his uh, newly found money for show. This one seems yeah. a little crazy to me, but maybe this is the norm. He's renting a place in Miami Beach for how much? 200000 a month, <laughs> which was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I like Portnoy. He's entertaining. Uh, you know, I've, he's a great business guy, but I have to question his business acumen on this one. So first of all, I read that I think somebody just bought this for like six point five million or something like that. Right. So, I mean, look, if I'm going to spend two hundred grand a month on a rental property, it better be worth a lot more than that. So either he has a bad real estate agent, or like you allude to, I think it's more for show. Because let's face it, I mean, he could buy the house after uh, two and a half months of payments or two and a half years of payments. So. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing here. I think it's a big show. But look, if he's listening to the show, Dave, if you're listening right now, I'm licensed in Florida. I've got jumbo rates that are great. So just give us a call. Let's get you home. <laughs> well, this, this house was it's in uh, North Miami Beach. Uh, it was actually owned by Floyd Mayweather, who had purchased the yeah. uh, house in 2016 for $7.7 all cash deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost a boatload somehow. Uh, every other celebrity we talked right? money <laughs> handed over on real estate. Uh, sold her for six point two five million. This is going to sound crazy. So he lost one point five million. This is going to sound yeah. crazy, but for us at the the lower level, all the way up to you know millionaires, is there yeah. actually sort of a calculator on what a house should rent for based on the value of the house? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's a real estate agent would go in and say, "There's." This is the going. First of all, there's going rent. So, like when I'm doing a loan, Steve, if you're buying a rental property, um, you know you, we use rental income to help you qualify. So it, it's it's a, another added thing to the appraisal. It's called the rent schedule. So the 
the appraiser will actually put in the going rents and the market rents for that area. And that's what you do. So I just can't see this house, the going rents or anything around that being $200,000 a month. I mean, that's just preposterous. You know what I mean? So I, I, again, I'm going back to, I think he's just doing this for show just to say he's spending 200 grand a month on a property. Uh, there's also, you know, comps on other houses sure. in the yeah. area and, and what a house should sell for. Now, these these are custom houses. So, uh, right. But I wanted to go to, it looks like a nostalgic buy potentially here. I'm not sure how many people would be fired up to buy a former home of Mr. Rogers, you know, Fred Rogers. Right. His house in Pittsburgh, 3,700 square foot home, mm-hmm. listed for $850,000. Now, all I did in terms of research was look up the Pittsburgh real estate market because I was like, wow, that's pretty pricey for a house that size in Pittsburgh, where the uh, I guess the median house price right now is like two hundred one. Sure. What do you think? What do you think is going on here? Uh, this is a nineteen twenty one house that is described as being drenched in shimmering sunlight. <laughs> is that what it said? Yeah, that's that's yep. Yeah. Well, it's the nostalgic thing. And again, yeah, you, like I don't know how many people are going to be fired up to buy Mister Rogers' house. I would guess that whoever's doing this and paying way over market value would turn this into some type of a museum so to speak and i guess charge people to go in and look at it i mean that's the only angle i could see that someone would actually do this you know but I, how much is the demand going to be to go visit mr rogers house i don't know i i wouldn't know anybody in my circle that would get fired up to go see mr rogers house so yeah it's a nostalgic buy for sure i uh, i love these discussions because real estate's so fascinating from this standpoint the haves and have nots the split uh, is getting gigantic. Uh, I see values of houses and I'm like, my God, that person made that much money. Like I, I saw a listing on a, a Southern California home from uh, Shane Smith who runs Vice, which is obviously a pretty big company. And it was he was listing it for like $46 million. Um, wow. Like even even actors, you know, in, and uh, the Vice guy's not an actor, but actors of the past. Steven Seagal is, he has a compound, a 12 acre compound outside of Scottsdale. That he's listed for three point four million dollars, and the the real hook here is that the house is bulletproof. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's a nice house. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah. Look, I don't know who needs a bulletproof <laughs> house unless you're the president or some drug lord, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's going to be one of those costs where you're probably not getting your money back, you know. But but look, if you were to ask me, give me a list of five people that would bulletproof their house. He'd probably be at the top of the list. Maybe Alex Jones would be on there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the great thing about the house is when you look at the picture, and we'll send this out on ESPN Las Vegas on Twitter. I mean, it is in the middle of nowhere. It would have to, someone would have to it's trace awesome. through the desert yeah. to get near his house. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, it would have, so he bulletproofed that for like just in case it was a Navy SEAL sniper coming at him. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I could see that. Yeah, it's crazy. There's no one around him. I don't know why you needed to bulletproof your house, but you know that's Steve Seagal. Does look nice though. What is it? It's it built of nice stone, house. stone, copper, and glass. Yeah, it is beautiful. I, I, I think three point whatever is a pretty good deal for that house. All right. So you're making a, you're saying Seagal gets it, Portnoy doesn't. All right. Those are some of the uh, determinations <laughs> we've made so far. Which, which is what's going on with the world, right? Yeah, it's oh, crazy. There, there are people out there of too much money. To spend and uh, they spend it pretty lavishly and then uh, like i said there's the rest of us just trying to look for a home and there's a massive housing shortage here we're talking to dustin DeHart, nova home loans 577 2600 is the number you've talked about the shortage like like historic shortage of houses 
around Las Vegas. And I know we've talked about building costs, but found a story on Fortune.com that backed it up that it's basically a lot of it comes down to the lumber prices. Yeah, it's so that I've heard the lumber prices have gone up way more than that article alluded to. We've yeah. been talking about from the radio show for a while now. In fact, a few weeks ago, I had a friend of mine who's a custom home builder, and he says it's it's horrible right now. It's the lumber. It's everything, Steve. It's you know windows, doors. I mean, everything is through the roof. It's just a scarcity of it. Um, you know, and home builders are really feeling the pinch. Uh, I did see a letter come across from a CEO of a major home builder going to his sales staff that basically said, look, it, you know, the typical home home build is going to take about four months. And he's saying, you know, that throw that out the window. It's it's going six to eight months at best. And tell all the clients, you know, you've got two weeks to make up your mind, either write it out or you can get your earnest money back and cancel. So, you know, yeah, that's the, sort of the problem with the supply is because the builders, you know, since 2007, they, you know, they, they weren't building anything, you know, and they're, they tried to catch up. I mean, last year they had one of the best years ever, but it was still half of what they were building in 2005. And because it's been such a slow buildup, they just are never going to get enough to create that momentum to, to catch up with the demand. And, you know, now we couple this with these rising prices. What do we really need? We need affordable housing and builders just can't fill that void right now. It's crazy. Yep. Yep. And then there's the concern that you could just have the super wealthy just scoop up existing properties. Yep. And then how do you get affordable housing? I thought there was a story in the Chicago Tribune last couple of days. Uh, saying that uh, Chicago has about 120,000 uh, fewer units of affordable housing than what it needs. And the government's yeah. actually having to step in to try to prevent people, uh, you know, developers from going in and buying buildings with multiple apartments and converting them into, you know, high dollar single family homes. It's it's an interesting time because uh, someone is going to have to step in to make sure that, you know, those who are not making a boatload of money can actually buy a house, you know, live somewhere decent. Yeah. You know, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, do we need the government telling a developer or an investor how they can, you know, how, what, what they can do with the property that they built? I don't know. I, I get it. We need more affordable housing. Now, you know, on the federal uh, end, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the GSEs, uh, they they have put in a 7% cap on how much they'll buy from an aggregator, just for instance, Nova Home Loans, because we sell to them on second homes and investment properties. Um, their theory or their reasoning behind this is because they're trying to make more properties available for people purchasing primary residences, which it's out, it does sound nice, but in fact, it's it's more of a play to get out of uh, to get out of uh, conservatorship and uh, make them more more palatable to the street. So when they go when they get out, uh, they you know they have less riskier loans on their books, so to speak. Um, you know, but what's crazy about this, Steve? Now Nova. We haven't we haven't really had too big of a knee jerk reaction because we typically run it around that seven percent. But there's other companies out there that are a lot bigger than us that well run well over that. So the only way to curb the demand is to raise interest rates. And some of these uh, some of these other companies, I mean, they've had to raise uh, well above five hundred basis points. Which to put to put that in perspective, it's a three hundred thousand dollar loan. You know, that's that's going to cost you fifteen thousand dollars to get the same rate or mm a two and a half percent higher rate to not pay that $15,000. So, <clears throat> so it is a, it is interesting to see what the federal government's doing. And then on Biden's end, he's proposing a tax credit for new first time home buyers, upwards of $25,000, which is a loan officer. I think that's great. Although it's, 
it's very stringent on the qualifications. You have to be not only you a first-time home buyer, buyer, but your parents have never bought a home, and the income levels are very low. So I don't know how many people this is actually going to help. But at this point, we don't really need more demand, Steve. What we need is more supply. So I don't really understand the reasoning behind that. The problem is not demand right now. It's supply. So I, I, I don't really understand what the federal government's doing right now to help us out because it's, it's not working. And, yeah, and you're going to have to take much more, uh, I'd say, egregious actions like Chicago's doing. And on, honestly, the best way to do it would be to raise interest rates, which uh, obviously I don't want to see. But I, right. I don't under, you know, I mean, what else can you do to get uh, the demand under check and more supply on the books? Dustin Hart is with us. Our trust us spot, 577-2600 is the number. What's going on with rates? And then uh, there's also some good news out there that people are starting to catch up on their mortgages. They're not as far behind. So, you know, as we get the economy cranking up here, people are going to be in better shape. Yeah. So, look, people, you know, when this pandemic hit, they were allowed to go into forbearance which means you know they just literally called up their servicer. There was no hardship required. Hey, I, I, I want to go into forbearance. It means you don't have to make your mortgage payment. Some, some you know, elected to do this for over a year. Um, that's going away. Uh, and, and look, it didn't affect your credit, credit at all. And you know, what they're going to do is just apply a second lien for the uh, arrears. You, know, you, you just basically would take care of that once you sold the home or if you refinance it, it would be part of the payoff. So we're, we're not going to really see a huge amount of new foreclosures which some people would have you think you know we're look they stopped foreclosures so there's going to be more because of that but people that are getting out of forbearance if they're still having problems making their payments well the problem with the last crisis is no one had equity now most or not everybody does so they're just going to sell their homes which would actually help with the supply problem uh, but the notes defaults and foreclosures they may tick up a little bit but we're not going to see anything crazy happening to our market right now but interest rates uh they've been going down for the last three weeks um i'm hoping they continue this push and uh look if if you missed the boat on that mortgage tune up it's time to get back on it because interest rates are really really low and they're very volatile so they could go up uh at the drop of a dime so call us today 577-2600 is the number dustin great spot we'll talk to you next week thanks steve appreciate it there he is dustin DeHart, nova home loans 577-2600 you call in He'll answer your questions, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and get you a good idea where you are right now in your house. Or if you're looking to buy something, uh, he'll give you a good idea of what you can get. 577-2600 is the number. On the way back, we'll get to the football frenzy. News in on Joe Burrow and his recovery from injury. Is it time to fade the Bengals on the over-under season win total? Trust Us is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Call today at 577-2600 to learn how to purchase a home with $20,000 in down payment assistance. Dial up Dustin now, 577-2600.